Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind, take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel record of Luke. The Gospel record of Luke in chapter number 4. If you do not mind, take your copy of the Word of God. And let's look together at this Gospel record of Luke. We've been traveling through the Gospel record of Luke together. In fact, we're going to breathe through it for a long time. We'll be finishing near the December time frame because there's so much into the Gospel record of Luke. Remember that the Gospel record of Luke is written as a research project written to one man, but it was highly researched, verified sources, making sure that everything was straight, everything was verified, everything was true, all portraying Jesus Christ as the perfect man. And as we look into the Gospel record of Luke chapter 4, we already have where Jesus Christ is beginning his public ministry. It started off with his public baptism. And when he got baptized, remember Jesus didn't need to be forgiven of sins. He did it for righteousness sake. And when he was there, we saw the triune God, all three parts of God present, the Jesus Christ there presently, the Holy Spirit descending down in the shape of a dove and the voice of God saying, this is my beloved son. God was there. Immediately, Jesus was filled with the Spirit and by the Spirit was led into the wilderness where for 40 days he suffered temptation. Remember that Jesus Christ was tempted in all points as we were tempted. And he went through that temptation without being sinful, without giving in to, God, to Satan, even though Satan gave him an honest offer that Satan would quit as long as Jesus did one little thing and Jesus would not relent because it was not according to the Bible. And now that he passed that temptation, Jesus Christ once again being led of the Spirit now publicly begins his public ministry and we find it starting in the gospel record of Luke chapter number 4. The gospel record of Luke chapter 4, notice with me starting in verse 14. The gospel record of Luke chapter 4 and verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the prophet, book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. And recovering the sight to the blind. And set at liberty to them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. And he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear witness 
him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceedeth out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. And the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when a great famine was throughout the land. But unto none of them was Elisha sent, save unto Zarephah, a city in Zidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elias the prophet, and none of them were cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. And rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him to the brow of a hill wherein their city was built that they may cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of Luke chapter number 4. The gospel record of Luke chapter 4, notice with me in verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And with the Lord's help, we want to preach this. This is the heart of the message that Jesus preached as he opened the Bible. And so we're naming this the same message title that he named it, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you, we're just asking that you would give us grace and mercy. Give us understanding about this church service, this meeting together where they open up the Bible and Jesus preached and what happened and what their reaction was and what their expectation was. And that we can learn what our responsibility is from the emphasis that Jesus placed. Again, I dare not do this in my own flesh. I don't do it with my ability. I don't do, I surrender everything, what my ambitions, my goals, my desires, what I want to see got accomplished, what I think should be done, how I think people should respond. I give that all to you now. And then just ask that you fill me with your spirit and that you get your own work accomplished through your precious word even now. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We see that Jesus Christ had been led by the Spirit. That he went through the public baptism. He was baptized. And then he was led by the Spirit to the wilderness. Now as he finished up that trial after 40 days, he begins to make his way back to his hometown. And as he makes his way to his hometown, he stops by various synagogues along the way and is starting to perform miracles. And he's starting to preach messages. And his fame is growing. Notice with me in verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. Now remember that we've already put a big emphasis that Jesus is not using his own power. He's being directed by God, being given us the example of being dead to self, and following God and allowing God to do the work, not him. So he returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. Now remember, Galilee is a region that in a map of Israel during Jesus' days, you would have Judea, which was a country. North of that, you would have Samaria. And then up north of that, 
that, you would have the Galilee area. The Galilee is an area. It's a region. It's like a small country or a state. And so he came into Galilee and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. So as Jesus started making his way back home, he would stop by these different towns, preach in the synagogues. He, they would see uh, miracles happen and everybody's going, wow, look at this guy. This is amazing. Oh, this is wonderful. Do you hear him preach? Do you see the miracles he does? This is great. Now everybody's talking about Jesus. So Jesus finally gets home. And when he gets home, he goes to a church service, to a synagogue service, like he normally does. And this is where things begin to change. First of all, I'd like to show you the text of the message. The text of the message. Notice with me, if you don't mind, as we pick it up, verse 16. And he, Jesus, came to Nazareth. Now remember that Nazareth is a town in the region of Galilee. So he'd been preaching in the region of Galilee. Now he's in the town. And this is the town where he was raised. By the way, this is the town where he was a carpenter. For many years of his life. That was his full-time employment. He was the town carpenter. And so the people have now heard that the town carpenter is now doing miracles and preaching great messages. So when he shows up and he's there, everyone wants to see him. This is our hometown boy. We want to hear his message. We want to hear what he has to say. We want to see what it's like. So they all gather together. This is a full house. It's packed. And Jesus returned to the power of, uh, sorry, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he was brought up. So this is where he was raised. And notice this. And as his custom was, meaning this is his habit. What was his habit? He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. You know what that tells us? This is really important. Sometimes we gloss over that. When he was a carpenter, he was faithful to the house of God, to the synagogue. He was faithful there every time the doors were open. He was faithful every time the Bible was open. He was faithful. He was our example. Even before he was preaching, he would still be faithful, as his custom was, to be at the house of God in the synagogue where the Bible was open every time it was open. He didn't just start going to synagogue or going to church once he became the Messiah. This was his habit all of his life. That's a good habit to get into, by the way. And so, we don't want to gloss over that, but that's pretty important. Notice, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. So it's his turn to preach. So he stands up and he wants to read the Bible. Now, remember, every synagogue has a copy of the Word of God. Now, in those days, they don't have um, printing presses. We have Bibles that are printed. None of yours are handwritten. By the way, wouldn't it be nice if you handwrote your own Bible and had your own copy? hope your handwriting is good enough. But um, We have printed Bibles, but back then... Someone had to handwrite the Bible. So they made sure that every synagogue had their own Bible. Not everyone had their own Bible at home. So they had to memorize scripture. So Jesus stood up and the synagogue would bring their own Bible. Remember here it's scrolls. And so as he stands up, it's his turn to read. Notice verse 17. And there was delivered unto him the book of Isaiah. So they hand him the scroll of Isaiah. Now remember, because everything is written in scrolls, you don't have the entire Bible put together. You would have the scroll of Isaiah. The scroll of Jeremiah. The scroll of the kings. You would have those scrolls put together. So they hand him the scroll of Isaiah. 
And when he opened up the place of the book, he found the place where it was written. So he immediately says, I know where I'm going. He doesn't have to say, uh, where is it at? He goes immediately to what we would know as Isaiah chapter 61 verses 1 and 2. That's the reference. We're not going to turn there. But he says, open your Bibles if you wouldn't mind to Isaiah chapter 61. And notice with me if you wouldn't mind, if you're in the habit, to look with me in verse number 1. And he begins to read the scriptures. What does he read from Isaiah? Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2. Verse number 18 is what he is reading. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty to them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable day year of the Lord. And then he stops. Now, we would notice that the people are not are in wonder when this happens. Why are they in wonder? Because he stops reading at verse number two. He stops in the middle of the verse. He doesn't finish it off. Well, what's the rest of the verse? Well, it says in the rest of the verse, in Isaiah 61, we'd not turn there, but just let me tell you what it says. And it says, uh, verse 19 is supposed to go on. It says, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Now, many of the Hebrew people knew this passage by heart. That's why they were shocked. They knew scripture. By the way, isn't it amazing when people know their scriptures and they know what the preacher's preaching and they say, oh, I know this. They knew this because this is an important verse about the Messiah. Now we know that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, but let's pause. This is going to be a big earth shattering thing because who is speaking to them is not the Messiah in their eyes. This is the carpenter. This is the guy who built my deck. This is the guy who fixed my flooring. This is the guy who did this for me. This is the guy who built this little thing for us. This is the guy that helped build our barn. So this is their context. And so when he reads this, he stands up, he reads this passage, but then he doesn't finish it. Instead, in verse number 20, he closed up the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. So here he reads the text. They're expecting to come and the people are expecting to see a miracle. They've been hearing about this miracle worker that's been traveling. They've heard the glory of him. They've all come in. And when they come in, they see their carpenter. Take the Bible. Read the Bible. But then leave out part of a text. But he read the Bible. And they're all amazed. Which brings us to the second thing. We saw the text of the message. Now we see the preaching of the message. The preaching of the message. Verse number 20, And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. What happens now is that there is silence. This silence is deafening. They're looking at Jesus Christ. And it's like a bomb. Because... He didn't finish the text. And he just sat down. He hasn't preached or anything. He just read the Bible and sat down. This is the miracle worker. This is the great preacher. This is a carpenter. And they're staring at him. What's going on? Now notice Jesus knows what's on their heart. So he 
lets silence happen for a little bit. He lets everyone stare at him and he just looks at everybody stares. Making sure everyone's looking at him. Silence is a good tool for a public speaker. Make sure that everybody's at least awake, paying attention. And then he says, and he began, verse number 21, and he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now the bomb just exploded. He just read a passage that the Jewish people knew by heart. Because it was a passage that dealt with their Messiah. It dealt with this coming Messiah, the coming one that God had promised to deliver to the people, who was going to save people, who was going to deliver them. And he preaches a message about, the, guess what? Your Messiah is here. And the floor just fell. This carpenter is our Messiah? This carpenter who fixed my deck, who I dealt with for a while, I had to pay him to fix my floor. He's the Messiah? I mean, think about it. I mean, Jesus isn't a stranger to these people. They knew him. They talked to him. They had him over for dinner. They've had fellowships over at the synagogue where they would have food together. He was there. They knew him. And now, this guy we saw grow up is claiming to be the Messiah? This is too much. How do we deal with this message? Verse number 22. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. Let's stop there. What happens that Jesus looks at them and as they're all like, what just happened? He gets up and begins to preach to them the message. Now, what happens is that the Bible doesn't record the message. Jesus often was a long preacher. He preached long messages. And the Bible doesn't record all of his words. Here it doesn't describe what he said as much as it described how he said it. He had gracious words. Now, why is this important? Because the verse, the part of the verse that was, messed, that was missed out was in the day of the vengeance of God. To every Jewish person, their hope for the Messiah was not to save them, not to save them from their sins, even though that's what God had promised. Their hope of the Messiah was to bring down vengeance upon the Roman government who had ruling over us unjustly. And if we could just rid of the Roman government. And so if the Messiah is coming, he's coming to give us liberty to Put us in charge of the world. We're going to rule the world. That is why that part is left out. Jesus didn't come the first time to bring judgment upon the world. That's the second time he comes. So this, by the way, that whole phrase still deals with the Messiah. Just two different times. The first time is graciousness. The second time is to bring the vengeance. That's a later discussion. Jesus is now talking about what he's here to do the first time. So notice the gracious words. As he goes back and preaches the message, what is the message of grace? What is the message that he came to do? Verse 18 again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Notice, he starts off by saying, this isn't my will. This is what God has for me to do. I'm led by the Spirit. God is in control. God is going to get the work done. It is God's word. 
the God is leading me. And what is he leading me to do? Notice if you don't mind how many times it talks about preaching in here. Pretty much over and over. What did he come to do? Not to bring judgment. Not to bring destruction. He came to preach. He came to proclaim the good news. Verse 18. The spirit of the Lord has come upon me. Because he hath anointed me. The spirit of God hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Remember the word gospel is good news. And it's heralding out good news. It is almost like when a herald would come out in the old days. Before television. Before uh posters before radio they would have a herald that would come out and say good news everyone this is what your king has asked this is what your king's going to do for you this comes from that same idea of proclaiming that good news and Jesus Christ came to preach the gospel to proclaim the good news to the poor these are the poor who don't have the spiritual strength who are missing God they need to have Jesus Christ as their personal savior they are poor in spirit they need to be rich in spirit by Jesus Christ paying their price and giving them access to God uh, giving them forgiveness of sins giving them eternal life when you have eternal life you are as rich as you can be he's there to preach the gospel to the poor he, the Spirit of God, hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. You know what Jesus came to do? To heal the brokenhearted. Those that say, I don't know what to do anymore. I have no hope. You know what hope we do have? That Jesus Christ is there. That Jesus Christ can help. That Jesus Christ can deliver. Jesus came to give hope to help the brokenhearted. He came to preach the gospel of the poor. He came to help to heal the brokenhearted. Notice this. To preach deliverance to the captives. Who are the captives? Those that are captive in sin. Those that are under the bondage of sin. Those are the ones that said, I can't help but sinning. I'm under addiction. I'm under affliction. And I can't get out myself. Yes, we know. But Jesus Christ can free you from those bondage. Jesus Christ can heal the brokenhearted. He can deliver you from the drugs and the alcohol. He can deliver you from your oppression. He can deliver you from your sin. He can deliver you from bondage. That's what Jesus Christ came to do. By the way, this is a gracious message. Jesus Christ said, I'm here to help. I'm here to give you good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to those that are in captivity, to, notice this, and the recovering of the sight to the blind. Here it's talking about spiritual blindness, not physical blindness. You know, there's a lot of people who are blind. They can't see the Lord. They can't open my eyes that I may see. That's what Jesus Christ has come. It's amazing to see how many times that phrase is used throughout the Bible. Open my eyes. Open their eyes. Open their eyes. They're blind. All throughout the Bible we see this idea of spiritual blindness. Again, this is a gracious message. I've come because the Spirit of God has directed me to open the eyes of those who can't see. Who are spiritually blinded. Who don't even know that there's something to miss. To open the eyes of those that are blind. And... To set at liberty those that are bruised. This carries the idea of those who are under such bondage and they're broken down and they're beaten down by the world. And Jesus came to give them liberty. To give them freedom. To help them from the world beating them down. From their, the oppression that they may have. 
this is a gracious message to preach. Notice again the word preach. You know what Jesus came to do? To preach. That's what his earthly ministry was all about. Preach. 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 To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Meaning that now is the time to accept God. God has now brought it to you and it's available. Now's the acceptable time. Now's the time to trust in him and what God has done. He's not talking about judgment. He's not about destroying the foes. He's saying preaching the message. But you understand to the Hebrew people who are listening, that's not what they want. We don't want to be healed from our sins. We're God's people. We're good enough. We don't need this. We want God to destroy our enemies. But that's not what Jesus is here to do the first time. He's healed heal, heal them. But they're rejecting his message because first of all, this is the carpenter. This is the town carpenter. I know him. He's supposed to be the Messiah after building my deck and doing what I've told him to do to help my barn and he's the one that's going to save me. And then the Messiah, that's not what the Messiah is supposed to do. The Messiah is supposed to, to make my life better. Yes, he is by delivering you from your sins. You know, there's so many people who don't accept Jesus because Jesus doesn't, isn't there to help what they think they do. I don't want to go to church because Jesus didn't give me my promotion. Jesus is here to give you something better than a promotion. He's here to forgive you of your sins. To give you a brand new life. Life everlasting. So when he preaches this, they all bear him witness, verse 22, and wondered at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. Now Jesus isn't yelling and screaming. He's just proclaiming the truth. He says, this is what you heard. This has been fulfilled in your ears. The Messiah is here to preach the gospel. To deliver the people. To preach the acceptable day of the Lord. To open the eyes of those that are blind. To heal the brokenhearted. That's what the Messiah is here to do. And they are hearing the gracious words. For years, what they've been preaching and telling people, the Messiah is going to destroy Rome. The Messiah is going to come and make us the most important people of all the earth. They had a misunderstanding. And because they didn't have the correct understanding of God, what Jesus said and what they thought Jesus should be was different. They liked their version better. And they didn't like his message. Verse number 22 at the end, they said, is this not Joseph's son? Meaning the carpenter, he's the carpenter. Verse 23, we see the message go on. And he said unto them, ye will surely say unto me this proverb, physician, heal thyself. Now this is the idea that, hey, do a miracle, do a trick for us. Why were they there? They weren't there to hear a message. They were there to be entertained. They showed up because they thought that there would be some trick, some highlight, some miracle done. And they wanted to go see this. Instead, they got preaching. How dare they have preaching in the house of God? How, why don't they have jugglers for Jesus? And weightlifters for the Lord. And clowns for Christ. You mean I showed up to a church and they didn't show and entertain me. They gave me preaching. You know, there's some people get mad at that. I 
wanted to come to be entertained. I wanted to see a miracle. I heard about all these great miracles and we came today and we didn't get our money's worth. We didn't get what we came for. Where's our miracle? We want a miracle. We want a miracle. Jesus said, I came to preach. I don't know what you came for. Came to preach. Notice again, verse 23. And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. Again, we want to see a miracle. We want to see a trick. We want you to entertain us. You're this Messiah. Show us your magical powers. Show me those magic hands. Do something for us now. Verse 24. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. Now he's pointing out something here. In fact, if you've never written this statement down, would you write it down? Familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. How are they looking at Jesus? As the carpenter. This is the carpenter. And so already, he's already starting at a different view than what he really is. He's the Messiah. But they can't get past the view that he's the carpenter. And because they all know him as the carpenter, they want to see a trick. They want to see something. They're not satisfied with the preaching. Could you imagine what a privilege it would be to sit and listen to Jesus preach? Especially, it said he had gracious words. This was a wonderful message. It was a message of hope. It was a message of encouragement. But they didn't care about the message. Boring. Oh, so what? Gospel, gospel, preach, preach. Come on, when's the entertainment? You can almost see them. Imagine, if you don't mind, a congregation now. Imagine a congregation that the preacher's preaching and he's trying to be gracious. He's not being mean. Oh, Gospel message again. When are we going to get to the good stuff? Jesus is preaching. This is wonderful. And he's looking at all their faces and they're not enjoying the message. Come on. Come on. You got people back there. Come on. I'm hungry. They're all everything but paying attention. When is this guy going to be done? You have the people whispering. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Didn't you fix his deck about a year ago? Why he's preaching? He's preaching a wonderful message that if we would love to hear today. I mean, if you love the gospel. But they're all just staring at him. Their faces are all everything but enjoying the message. And he sees them. And he notices them. And because of their face, because they're not enjoying the message, he says, no prophet is accepted in his own country. You all see me as the carpenter's son. The carpenter. You can't get past that. Familiarity breeds contempt. Because they were so familiar. They ate with him. They lived with him. He was in the same town. It's not a big town. They had contempt for him. He can't do it. They can't expect any more. They won't allow him to rise higher. Familiarity breeds contempt. 
Verse 25, he goes on. Now notice as he changes the message. He's still on the same message. His message is the gospel. They're not hearing the message, so now he goes on. They're thinking about themselves. What can the Messiah do for me? How's he going to destroy Rome? How's he going to what? But you understand the Jewish people had more of a responsibility to do something else. They had God's word and they had God's promises. Notice his... Jesus refers to the past, verse 25. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months when a great famine was throughout the land. But unto none of them, none of the Jewish people, none of the widows in Israel was Elijah sent to, save for Seraphah, the city of Zidon, unto a woman that was a widow. Remember that when the, it didn't rain for three and a half years, God sent Elijah to a Gentile country to a widow in somewhere else. And remember what happened? That Elijah found the widow and said, make me a cake first. And she goes, listen, I only have enough for me and my son. We're going to eat this and die. He says, make me a cake first. Put God first and watch God work. So she goes down and says, I think I got enough for one cake. So she makes a cake, puts it down, puts it a little flask of oil, puts enough oil, says, I got maybe enough for tomorrow. Hey, look, maybe there's enough for another one. And so she takes it, makes a cake for the preacher, makes one for herself, puts a little bit of oil, sets it down, looks, well, maybe there's enough for tomorrow morning. And so tomorrow morning, she makes the preacher a cake first, puts a little bit of oil. Okay, maybe it'll last. Hey, there's enough for me and my son. For years that happened. Could you imagine if God allowed you not to buy groceries for a year? Wouldn't that be a miracle? Now, I understand they're not eating prime rib. They're eating surviving, but people are starving because it's a famine in the land. But God did a miracle to a widow, a Gentile widow. Why did he not go to the widows in Israel at the time? Because they were not believing. They were not trusting God. They were serving some other God and they did not want to change. A prophet is without honor in his own country. That's why Elijah had to go somewhere else to someone who would listen. Notice as he goes on, gives a different illustration. Elijah's uh, successor, Elisha, verse 30, uh, 27. And many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elijah. Elisha's, Elisha, Elisha. So you got Elijah and Elisha. Elisha in the prophet, none of them were cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. Now remember, Naaman was a general of the opposing army, the enemy army who traveled all this way. And Elijah didn't even go out to see him. He sent his servant out and said, hey, go tell him, go wash in the river seven times. Stupid thing, wash in the river, that's stupid. And his advisor said, hey, you came all this way, Don't, why not listen to the preacher? So Naaman went in, washed himself once, washed himself twice. Seventh time he comes out looking as fresh as a baby's bottom. Look, I'm clean, it worked. How come none of the lepers in Israel were healed? Could, didn't God have the power? Because a prophet is without honor. They were not trusting God. They didn't want to trust God. They wanted God to do something else for them than change their life. And so now they're mad. You want to compare us to those unbelieving Jews? Yes. We're not unbelieving. We trust God. Oh yeah, what are you trusting God for? That he's going to deliver us from Rome. Well, that's not what God is coming for. He's coming to save you of your sins. I'm not a sinner. I'm God's people. Well, that's why you're not getting anything. That's why there's no miracle being done. Because you don't believe. 
You think you're fine. You think you're righteous. You think you're good enough as you are. So now he's watching the faces. It was before. Come on. Stupid. What message is this? So he's watching their ranges. He's watching them as they were first kind of blank and what in the world? Then they listen to his message and his gracious message. Then they hear him preach and now they're starting to get mad and he's watching their faces. He's told them the truth. A prophet is without honor. The reason why no miracles are done is because you don't believe. Why should I do entertain you if you're not going to respond to God's word properly? You're not going to listen to me. You're not listening. This is a wonderful message about the gospel. And you're not happy with it. You're bored. You're sleeping. You, not, you want more. You want entertainment. And so no. No miracles. No miracles. Because you're not believing. What do you mean I'm not believing? I, I'm righteous. Don't you know how righteous I am? How dare you call me a sinner? You don't know me. I'm perfect. So, let's see the response of the message. So, he reads the text. He explains the text. How do they apply the text? Well, notice with me verse 28. And all they in the synagogue. May I remind you that this is a full house that day? There's a lot of people. And all they, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. Again, remember... Cameras on the faces of everybody out there. And they watched wonder, boredom. Now they're getting angry. He's watching them all, every single one of them, upset. It's building up. Imagine how hard it would be to preach when everyone's staring at you like they hate you. They're mad and upset. How dare the local town carpenter tell us that we're sinners? How dare the local carpenter say we're not right with God? How dare he? Verse 29, and rose up and thrust him out of the city. Now, don't miss this. They pulled him from where he was sitting. They grabbed him and all of them as a mob pulled him outside of the building. As a mob, they grabbed him and pulled him outside of the city. Now, this is a long drag. How mad do you have to be to want to go murder someone because they preached a message? Now, did he hurt them? Did he he, uh, call them names? I meant, did he threaten to kill them? He told them they were sinners and needed of a savior. He told them that they needed to get right with God. And they're mad at the preacher because he dared say, you're not right with God. Oh yeah, we want to show you how right with God we are. We're going to go kidnap you and we're going to go murder you just to prove our point how righteous we are. You almost wonder what people think sometimes, right? (laughs) Preacher, how dare you preach that message? Don't you know? Imagine that happening. So, they thrust him out of the city. So they pick him up. They drag him outside of the building. They drag him outside of the city. They lead him to the brow of the hill. So here in a mass, they bring him to a cliff where they're looking down. The city's there built on this hill for protection. They're looking down. Here is a cliff. And they as a mob are planning on murdering Jesus Christ. 
for what crime did he do? Told them that they were sinners who needed a savior. By the way, he used gracious words. He wasn't even calling them names. He wasn't mean to them. But they're mad. They're angry. I asked my son, I said, how would you like that for your first message? First public recorded message that they get mad and they want to toss you off the stage and try to kill you. Didn't have that pressure, did he? Imagine this. So they're threatening and killing him. And so they grab him. They drag him all this way. And they get ready to toss him. Where'd he go? Verse number 30. But he passing through the midst of them went his way. Now they wanted to see a miracle. Here you go. As they get ready to toss him. This crowd is so thick. And so massive. That they kind of lose him. And it's kind of like one of those cartoon fights. Where people are fighting. And the guy crawls out. And he's watching the other people fight. And he's standing away. Jesus just in the midst of the crowd and they're all trying to get a hold of Jesus, they kind of lost track of him and he just walks out. As they're trying to get a hold of him, they kind of lost where he was at. And they're like, where'd he go? We're trying. Well, they saw their miracle. They tried to kill him and he walked away. It didn't disappear away. He just walked through the crowd. I really hope that you guys respond better to this. But again, what was the message? What was the important thing? What was it so important? He had to get across. His responsibility as he was led by the Spirit was to preach the gospel to others. To preach the gospel. To help heal the brokenhearted. To deliver them from sin. And dear friend, if we're filled with the Spirit and directed, God still has the same purpose for us. To preach the gospel what is the gospel? It is the death, burial, and resurrection. It is the good news of Jesus Christ that we were sinners and because of our sins that we've offended a holy, righteous God and we deserve to go to an awful place called hell. But that Jesus Christ came and died for us. He was buried and on a borrowed tomb. On the third day, he rose again to give us forgiveness forever. And all that is left is for us to accept that free gift. This is the responsibility that we have. Now, dear friend, if you have never accepted that free gift, let me tell you the wonderful news is that you can have it today. It'd be my privilege to take a Bible and to show you the good news from God's word for yourself, how you can know without a doubt that your sins are forgiven and that you have eternal life. Now, for those of you who are saved, we have the responsibility of going to tell someone else. They need to have the good news. What was the message of Jesus Christ? To preach the gospel. If we're going to follow our Savior in his footsteps in the example, what is our responsibility? To preach the gospel. It's not to bring down destruction. It's for us to use gracious words. To love on people. To tell them the truth. That they can receive this gift. Now unfortunately there's some people who might not respond correctly. But it doesn't erase the message. We're still supposed to tell the message no matter how they respond. But we are supposed to go give the message to others. Let me tell you, are you following the same footsteps? Do you know for sure that Jesus Christ is your personal savior? for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time 
to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920-530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.